0: For Arizona Public Media, I'm Mark McLemore, and this is Arizona Spotlight. Coming up, a breakdown of how Arizona sales taxes are implemented. Meet musician A.J. Croce, the son of Jim Croce, who's taken his family's musical legacy in a different direction. I'll talk with a man who has literally voiced a thousand different cartoon characters, Rob Paulson. And we'll hear the musical bond between a Tucson man and his almost operatic pet. Those stories are next on Arizona Spotlight. Once again, Tucson voters are faced with ballot questions regarding an increase in the city sales tax. Before those votes are in, Christopher Conover tries to answer some questions, and he finds out that what we refer to as sales tax may actually be something very
1: different. Sales tax. What is it, besides the amount of money that's added to your bill? To start with, Ed Greenberg with the Arizona Department of Revenue says technically what we pay at the register is not a sales tax.
2: Although commonly referred to as a, as a sales tax, the, the Arizona Transaction Privilege Tax, or TPT, is actually a, a tax on the business for the privilege of doing a business in the, in the state.
1: Sounds like just semantics. Well, Greenberg says yes and no. TPT differs from a sales tax imposed by other
2: U.S. states as it's imposed upon the the business, the company, rather than the the customer. Now, the the customer or the business may pass the tax on to the purchaser, But at the end of the day, it's the business that remains ultimately liable to to Arizona for, for the tax.
1: Arizona's TPT includes 16 different categories, covering everything you buy at local retail stores to restaurants and hotels.
2: The state of Arizona, though, does not tax the sale of food for home consumption or drugs prescribed by a licensed physician or dentist.
1: Actually, even that's too simple a statement when it comes to food. Go to your favorite pizza place, and even if you eat that pizza at home, it's taxed. And some things in the grocery store are taxed, too. Candy isn't, but soda is. Further muddying the sales tax waters is who charges the tax. In Arizona, the state, counties, and cities all charge sales tax. That's why if you buy the same item in different areas, the final price can be different depending on which taxes are added. If you're outside the city of Tucson but still in Pima County, you pay the state and county portions of the tax, but not the city. Merchants don't have to file separate tax returns. The state handles all the collections, according to Greenberg.
2: The Department of Revenue is the single point of administration and collection of state and city taxes for all businesses. So businesses no longer have to file two or more TPT returns.
1: The money is then divided up and sent back to where it needs to go, meaning the city gets city sales tax, the county gets county sales tax. And then the state sales tax is divided between all three, with 25% of that going to cities, about 40% to counties, and the rest the state keeps. During the first half of the 2017 fiscal year, the state collected $9.1 billion from the TPT. Of that, Tucson received $125 million, made up of its share of the state tax and what it charges locally. For Arizona Spotlight, I'm Christopher Conover.
0: When folk rock superstar Jim Croce died at age thirty in a plane crash in 1973, he left behind dozens of memorable hits and a family, including his only child, a two-year-old son named Adrian James. A.J. Croce grew up to be a musician in his own right, although he chose a path that was more influenced by rhythm and blues and the vibrant sound of New Orleans than his father. A.J.'s latest album finds him bringing his influences into focus and finding a new musical vitality. He'll be performing a concert in Green Valley next week, including an acoustic set of some of Jim Croce's best-known songs. But I wanted to know where A.J. Croce found the deep soul that guides his work.
3: I can't really explain it, (laughs) honestly. It was just in there, you know. I uh, listened to Ray Charles, listened to the folks that he listened to, like Charles Brown, and, and then. Alan Toussaint was probably the person that really influenced the New Orleans stuff. And of course, Little Richard, Fats Domino and stuff, but um, Toussaint was one of those guys where I just admired his piano playing, his writing, his um, arranging, just, I was inspired.
0: Why was it the 88 keys that called to you more so than the six strings?
3: It just felt natural. You know, you can really be a, a complete band with a uh, piano, your your own orchestra.
0: This new album that you've got out, which is called Just Like Medicine, it seems like you've got a lot of power under the hood. There's uh, Steve Cropper on guitar who I want to ask you about, the Muscle Shoals okay. horns. You've got a real armory at your disposal. So how did that affect your approach to creating the album?
3: It started in a few different ways. First of all, you know, I started writing a song. I was I was in a certain, sort of a dark place in my head, and I, and I just, I moved back to Nashville and uh, saw Dan Penn play and asked if he would be into writing a song. So we wrote The Other Side of Love and um, had a great time doing it. You know, I asked if he'd be into doing, a, you know, another song, you know, two songs, like I'm 45. And I had a real clear picture of wanting to um, record this mono, because even though we have amazing sound and audio in this day and age, uh, most people are listening to want the equivalent of like a transistor radio. So that's what we did: 16 track, two inch tape. No digital animals were injured in the process of making this record, and it took a long time, but but it was it was amazing. I see a lonely man whose lady left in five to crap and crapper He's all alone now, eating his heart out. There's very little protein and nothing, nothing sweet.
0: Was- so AJ, tell me what it was like to work with Steve Cropper. Now here's a guy who was um, a main force in Booker T and the MGs, and he's also played Session for... Thousands of the finest artists that have ever uh, ever cut vinyl. And uh, here he was in your studio looking to you as a band leader. Tell us about that.
3: <laughs> well, it was a thrill. I've known him since I was 17. He came to see me play uh, here in Nashville. And it was just, it was a thrill. You know, we stayed in touch and I called him up and said, hey, would you be into this? It was a song that I wrote with Leon Russell. And... Um, Leon had passed away and um, I wanted to have someone come in and, and join and make it something special. And uh, he was he was into it. He played great he played just like you know you hear him play and it's there's Steve Cropper. <laughs>
0: How has it been growing up and learning about your father through his music? I don't know what other legacies he might have left for you to explore that might be more um, deeper or revealing than the tunes he recorded.
3: Well, I got to know him the way you did, you know, through the music. And, um, and you know, I had a bunch of home recordings, which helped a lot, but, but he wasn't my um, big influence. I went further back. You know, I wanted to you know play like Ray Charles I wanted to play soul music I wanted to play um, go further back from from that into uh, you know uh, really rock and roll like um, you know Little Richard and that's Domino and Professor Longhair and then I wanted to go further back to to the to the boogie stuff like uh, Albert Ammons and Willie the Lion Smith uh, Jelly Roll Morton you know I really studied this stuff and of course I love rock and roll and I listened to it and I would play along to whatever was on you know whatever was on it could be Elton John or it could be uh, Yellow or or Neilson or the uh, Stones or you know Wings mm-hmm. or any anything that was top 40 I was you know I was playing along to
0: What were you kind of looking for as you went back there what what did you get out of the music that made you persevere with this journey
3: I wanted to be the best piano player that I could be. I wanted to take the most challenging pieces of, you know, American music that I could and conquer them. That was where I was coming from.
0: So AJ, pick a song off of Just Like Medicine and uh, give us an intro here as we uh, as we wrap up the interview.
3: The uh, title track, Cures Just Like Medicine, was one of the most personal songs you know you recognize at a certain point in life where where you have a lot of friends or you think you do and then things change and you know people don't have the time to to put into the friendships that they once did and I found someone in my life that made it all worthwhile you know so honestly that was it I gave my heart to ride with reckless drivers Trust I lost no good liars. My money paid countless parties. What a waste! Well now I'm sorry. Someone gave a love. Now I'll say. Saw has his heaven. say cause just like medicine. Saw has his heaven. Saint cause
0: A.J. Croce will perform tunes from his new album and a full set of his dad's best-known songs at a special concert called Two Generations. It's next Tuesday, November 7th, in Green Valley at the Green Valley Recreation West Social Center.
4: Now then, Yako, let us do a little word association. I say a word, and you say any word that you think of, any word that comes to mind. Brain. No, 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 we haven't started. Begun. No, wait. Yield. No, stop. Cease. Silence! Quiet.
0: Enough!
4: Plenty. What? You, please, listen. Here. No, you stupid kid, you don't understand! Comprehend. Ah!
0: You may not know the name, Rob Paulson, but if you or your family have watched any cartoons made in the last 30 years, you've definitely heard him. He's known best as the ringleader of the Animaniacs, Yakko Warner, and as Pinky from Pinky and the Brain, but he's also been the official voice of two different Ninja Turtles and played characters on shows including Jimmy Neutron, Batman, the Powerpuff Girls, G.I. Joe, and Transformers, to name just a few. Rob Paulson is one of the most successful voice artists in the industry, and he'll visit Tucson on Saturday in a rare chance to actually see him perform. Animaniacs Live is a raucous but family-friendly collection of songs and sketches that originated in the groundbreaking 1990s Steven Spielberg-produced series. Animaniacs has now found a new generation of fans on YouTube. I started the interview by asking Rob Paulson how he originally was cast as Yakko Warner.
4: The voices and the characters of Yakko Wakandak, it was a, a relatively long process, audition-wise, for obvious reasons. Warner Brothers, Steven Spielberg, clean sheet of paper. So as I recall, it was about a six-week process in which we would get a call back and then narrow it down, narrow it down, narrow it down. There were so many times, of course, that they would say, okay, this is Rob Paulson doing this on take four, and then Rob Paulson is also on take six or whatever. Ultimately, they sent ten takes of actors doing Yakko to Stephen for the final choice, and and they decided to number the auditions, and Stephen came back and said, okay, you guys, as far as I'm concerned, I'm good with numbers two, seven, and nine. It turns out that I was two of those. I was number seven and number nine, and at that time, I remember doing a kind of helium thing that we all know as Yakko, and uh, it turns out that it was kind of a Marx Brothers-y kind of kind of vibe, and um, It worked with the other characters. Uh, Tress was just her cute, wonderful self, smart, with a lot of toot, And Jess (laughs) was doing uh, basically a baby Ringo voice. He says, they asked him, do you do the Beatles? He said, which one? And they said, well, I mean, don't they? He said, no, no, they're completely different. Of course, we know that. But Jess gave them all different ones. And if you ever talk to Jess, you will hear that they're very specific. And then they said, okay, we kind of like the Ringo thing and the little the sort of lazy kind of the lilt that Ringo gives. Can you young him up a little bit? And he did. And <laughs> boom. So then they got us together and they said, okay, Rob, you try that helium kind of Yakko. I mean, Groucho um, Mark's smart assy thing. And Tress, you'd be your sort of badass cute self. And Wacko, let's do the lazy baby Ringo, and boom—that's what—that's basically what happened. But it was after about six weeks of four or five callbacks for each of us, so it was a relatively long process compared to the, your typical gig.
0: Whenever I think about a Wacko, I always remember the episode where um, the three of you are pestering death, the uh, the embodiment of death. Yeah. It, it looks like he walked out of an Ingmar Bergman film.
4: Yeah, it did have that sort of black and white Ingmar Bergman. Yes. Rockets kind of vibe, right?
0: Right, right. And yeah. uh, and Wacko says, Can I call you Dadu? I'd dadu. like to call you Dadu. <laughs> and that, that always, to this day, that is the line that pops into my head whenever I think.
4: And you know, it, what's so sweet when we go to do live things, Mark, um, and people ask all of us, but there's something very sweet about that particular thing. They ask "Just can you say, can I call you that zoo? <laughs> and he does it, and people just, they just eat it up, and it's the, it's so freaking charming. Um, the, the fact that we're talking about it the way we are, and, and it's just enjoyed this enormous, you know, renaissance as a result of uh, Netflix.
0: Yeah, and, yeah. And people golly. teaching their kids to appreciate yeah. Animaniacs. And of totally. course, learning from Animaniacs because of those great songs.
4: Yeah, well, that's Randy Rogel. And great segue. I'm telling you, the opportunity to spend time on stage with a guy like Randy Rogel, who you know, the term genius gets bandied around a lot in Hollywood and I, and I get that, but man, I'm telling you, this guy has, his bar has been raised very high for very long and he continues to live, to deliver, you know, remember Randy was a staff writer on Animaniacs, Batman first, but when he got hired to be, you know, a staff songwriter and he wrote a number of the scripts on, on Animaniacs. So in the show, we do a number of songs that never made it. And, uh, we could do probably a whole show on, on really wonderful songs that never were tapped to be in the show. But the thing that is so overwhelmingly entertaining and kind of mind blowing is you listen to these songs and you go, how the hell did somebody say no? Uh, no, I don't like that. are you <laughs> right, kidding right, me? Right. And you know, and then Randy, I mean, I get a script and I go do my gig and I tweak it and maybe improv a little bit and have a good time. But Randy's job is just, you know, when the guy says, okay, we're doing this and here's the song. Mm. Nah, do it again. Make it funnier. Nah, I need it tomorrow afternoon. I, I, I don't even know how people do that. You know, yeah. it's not like he has. He can wait for the muse to to light him up. He just has to go back, sit down at the piano, and do it again. And then it's better. That comes up in the show. Not only is it musical, but we talk to people about how the songs were created. The ones that didn't make it. Uh, the stories behind them um we show animation we do q a and um we don't have to worry about you know 70 other musicians on stage which is also a remarkably wonderful and mind-blowing experience but it doesn't have the same personal contact that you can have with the audience as we're going to be doing in tucson so i'm really i I really like that a lot
5: what do you want to do tonight
6: the same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes,
3: Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice, the genes has been sliced. The Pinky, the Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain.
0: Give us a quick idea of what it's like when you and Maurice LaMarche get together and are doing those voice sessions. Because of the character he plays, it sounds like Maurice isn't necessarily there to have a whole lot of fun. He's serious. I he's, know, isn't he, that interesting? He's focused yet, on his plan. But
4: oh my goodness!
0: Can you break uh, him up?
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. I can annihilate him, and uh, <laughs> uh, and it's really a fun thing to do. That he is so gifted. As entertaining as the show is for a, a viewer, a fan, arguably we have five times, as, ten times as much fun because we're making it. Um, we're encouraged to uh, improvise and be creative and not be... Uh, and the scripts are, are wonderful and brilliant on their own. We're encouraged to try stuff, and do things in the context of the characters. And Oh, my goodness. If
0: someone uh, says to you in, in everyday life, are you thinking what I'm thinking, Rob?
4: I say, I think so, Mark. But if Jimmy Crash Cone and nobody cares, why does he keep doing it? Or I'll say, I came up with one the other day that was good when somebody asked me if uh, we were at New York Comic Con doing the panel. Somebody said, uh, hey, Mr. Paulson, are you pondering what I'm pondering? I said, I, th- I asked him what his name was. And I said, I think so, David. But if Andy Davis and Susan B. Anthony, then who be Arthur? So I try to come up with new ones every now and then. You never know. If they do a Pinky and the Brain reboot, i got to have a couple extra ones.
0: When you were a young person, if you had an opportunity to meet someone like Mel Blanc or Dawes Mm -hmm. Butler, would that have been significant to you?
4: Oh, absolutely. In fact, I did. I got to work with Mel Blanc twice before he died. Uh, The first time, I remember we were doing a Jetsons project uh, at Hanna-Barbera, and he was probably 78, 79, because he passed away, I think, at 81. Uh, He was not well. But his voice was fine, and uh, Gordon Hunt, who sadly passed away as well, um, was you know, like any kid who comes in, and Mr. Blank happened to be there, say, hey, Robbie, you want to sit next to Mel? <laughs> sure. And I was, I don't know, 31, 32 years old, and I mustered up the courage to not only introduce myself, but say, you know, Mr. Blank, big fan, et cetera. I know you hear this, but would you mind, before I got it out of my mouth, Mark, he just looked at me and said, Yeah, what's up, Doc? And it just... God almighty i i will never forget that experience uh, june foray did the same thing with rocky and uh so i got to say and i and by the way i'm not i'm i'm not putting myself in their category you know t- talk to me via séance in 50 years when these characters are if they're getting the same kind of juice that bugs and daffy and tweety and all those characters get then maybe but but right i don't mean to compare myself however I'm in a really sweet spot in my career now. I'm old enough to have a body of work that many, many people know, whether it's Jimmy Neutron or Ninja Turtles or The Tick or The Mask or Animaniacs or Pinky and the Brain. Um, but I'm young enough to travel around and do these shows with Randy and meet people. It's really great to be involved in something that uh, brings uh, a lot of joy to a lot of people. And uh, and I got paid
0: <laughs> <It's> crazy. <laughs> So, Rob, you'll be visiting Tucson soon. you got a, a suitcase full of all your character voices you're bringing with you. Um, where else are you guys going on this tour? What what kind of tour is it?
4: Well, I'm glad you asked, Mark, because after we do Rialto, we're going to, of course, stick around in the United States. And then we think about going to maybe to Canada and Mexico, oh, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. Republic, Dominican, Cuba, Caribbean, Greenland, El Salvador to Puerto Rico, Colombia, Venezuela, Honduras, Guiana, and still, Guatemala, Bolivia, then Argentina, and Ecuador, Chile, Brazil, Costa Rica, Belize, Nicaragua, Bermuda, Bahamas, Tobago, San Juan, Paraguay, Uruguay, Suriname, and French Guiana, Barbados, and Guam, and then maybe Phoenix. Good night, everybody.
0: The very talented Rob Paulson, accompanied by original songwriter Randy Rogel, will perform many of their crowd-pleasing hits in Animaniacs Live, Saturday, November 4th, at the Rialto Theatre in downtown Tucson. There are tens of millions of cats and dogs living with people in the United States, easily making these mammals the nation's most popular pets. But there are many other species who find a special place in people's hearts and sometimes homes. For example,
6: Tony Paniagua met a man in Tucson who lives with a very melodious companion. When you approach the Midtown home of Wayne Blankenship, this is the first thing you might notice. It's a beautiful sound that emanates from one of the rooms. The sound belongs to a colorful five-inch canary. He's a small but powerful singing machine that delights Blankenship and his visitors.
5: He came into my life about uh, five years ago. A friend of mine was going on Christmas vacation, and he said, I know you used to have canaries in California. Would you take care of my little Sergio, is what he named him, because he was a very operatic singer. And I said, sure, I'd be glad to.
6: Blankenship's friend returned from vacation with a cold, so he asked Blankenship if he wouldn't mind keeping Sergio a bit longer. The temporary pet sitter was thrilled. And
5: then about a week or so later, he said, you know, um, if you really like him, you can keep him. So that's how he got here.
6: And he's been a special part of the household ever since. Now named Puff, this canary belongs to a breed that was developed in Spain in the middle of the last century, at a time when the birds were much more popular as house pets. They are known for their striking plumage, greens, yellows, tans, and other hues, as well as their amazing vocal abilities.
5: He's a great singer, the best singer I've ever heard. He's a special breed, it turns out, called Spanish timbrado, who has a really long and intricate song.
6: The pretty puff will almost always put on a show, especially when people are talking or creating other sounds around the house. Wait, so you say he likes faucets and the shower running? loves water running and there he goes yep for Wayne Blankenship the feathered friend is a member of an extended family that includes two rescued chickens a Mexican speckled quail and a growing collection of bonsai various species of trees that are kept in containers and pruned
5: I find that Uh, being around birds and being around plants uh, is really grounding for me. My grandfather was a uh, gardener. Um, Volunteering with with helping out with injured wildlife has been really nurturing for me. I actually used to work in hospice in San Francisco so this is kind of a different way to channel some energy of taking care of something and um, also getting something back from them. A connection to nature something outside myself that's not about me Uh, something that's very different than me, um, and then something that I can communicate with on some level that I don't even understand yet.
6: The little bird with the large acoustic repertoire is about 10 years old, a senior citizen in the world of canaries, but Blankenship came across a potential girlfriend in 2016. She doesn't have a name yet, but she's also quite the performer. Blankenship hopes the Canary couple can make beautiful music together and create a new generation to carry their genes, noteworthy companions to impress their human guardians. For Arizona Spotlight, I'm Tony Paniagua.
0: Thank you for listening to Arizona Spotlight. You can find our podcasts on iTunes and through the phone app NPR One. The show originates from the AZPM Radio Studios. The music is by Calexico. The production engineer is Jim Blackwood. Our executive producer is Peter Michaels. I'm producer and host Mark McLemore. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.